Amen. All right, you guys can grab a seat. Come on, come on. Well, good morning, church. And welcome to week one of a series that we're calling The Spirit-Filled Life. Oh, I have a different microphone. I can talk with both at the same time. There we go. Thanks. <laughs> Spirit-Filled Life. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, um, you'll know we have been going through a series uh, on our word for the year, which is surrender. And for the first three weeks of January, we were looking at this word and, and what it means to surrender to God, because we believe as a church that God has called us to surrender ourselves to Him in 2023. But as we were um, planning and prepping the series, it became abundantly clear to myself and the rest of our team that you cannot truly surrender to God without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we decided in the middle of our surrender team, series, and I know it's going to bother some people. Um, it's going to, some people with OCD, you're going to be like, wait, what? We, we paused and we're doing a different series now and we're going to go back to it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I know. It's going to be annoying. That's fine. Um, you can rewatch the whole thing later when they're all out. Um, but we're going to, we want to just take a second and pause and talk about the Holy Spirit. Because we cannot truly live surrendered to God without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to talk about a next level of life, to talk about something that God has made accessible to all of us that many of us are not living in, and to talk about the Spirit-filled life. Now, I know in this room there are likely three types of people. First, we have the people who you've been in this church for a while, or you've been in spirit-filled churches before, and you're like, yes, this is great. And if that's you, this is going to be a review. I'm sorry, we're, gonna, we're not covering anything new. Holy Spirit has not changed since the last, spirit, or service, or last sermon you've heard on the Holy Spirit. Nothing's changed. This is going to be a bit of review. But my prayer, if that's you, is that God will show you a deeper level that he's bringing you to. But I also know there's people in the room who you know of the Holy Spirit, but you're not really familiar with what it means. Like, you've heard the term before, but you're like, if someone asked you, explain to me what the Holy Spirit is, you'd be like, I don't know. Well, let me Google it. Um, and, and a lot of people uh, tend to describe the Holy Spirit as a feeling or as an it, I don't know uh, if any of you have ever said this before, but, but I've heard people say before, and I've said myself, wow, worship was so great. I really felt the Holy Spirit. And we get, it's easy to think of the Holy Spirit as a feeling or an it, but, and, and really it's, it's like we're in worship and, and we feel really good. And so we connect that emotional feeling with the Holy Spirit, or, or we connect, we feel like chills or heat, and we connect that feeling with the Holy Spirit. And, and to be honest, those things can be a sign of the Holy Spirit doing something within you, but if you've ever been to a good secular concert, you'll know that can also be a sign of you connecting with good music. It's not always synonymous with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here and you're thinking, oh, Holy Spirit is a feeling, we're, we're going to address that. 
But the third type of person that I know is here, and it's very, very common in the church world today, is people who don't really believe in the Holy Spirit. Like, you read it in the Bible, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's a Holy Spirit. But when it push comes to shove, you're more interested in God, Jesus, and the Holy Bible. And in the idea of Trinity and the idea of who God is, often churches and Christians will replace the Holy Spirit with the Holy Bible. And it's this lie that has come from the pit of hell that is just telling us, oh, well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that he would give them to you and he would guide you, but that was just for the first couple hundred years of church history. He's not around anymore. Holy Spirit, nah, yeah, he's really cool, but he might as well be dead and buried because he doesn't do anything. He doesn't move. He doesn't talk to you. He doesn't do, uh, produce fruit or gifts of the Spirit in your life. All those are, are dead. We don't need to worry about them, and that's a lie. Because the reality is, uh, Hebrews 13, I believe it is, says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God guided people before, as we see him do in the Old Testament and the New, then he still guides people today. If God spoke to people before, as we see in the Old Testament with the prophets, in the New Testament with Jesus, and in the later New Testament as the Holy Spirit spoke to the apostles, he's still doing it today. If God healed before, and he's still doing it today. And so we want to address some of these lies. And we want to start talking about what it means to live a spirit-filled life. And so my job over the next six weeks is going to be really simply to start to explain who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? do? Why does any of it matter, and, and, and how can we access the Holy Spirit in our lives? And I want to start us off this morning by answering the first of those questions, which is, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, you know, last week uh, we were talking about surrender, and we were talking about the idea of hearing God's voice. And in doing so, we talked about how it's important to have a heart that listens, a focused heart that we step back. If we want to hear God's voice, we can't just be scrolling on our phones all day. We need to be intentional. And we talked about having a discerning heart, how to tell the difference between God's voice, your voice, and another voice. And, and at the end, we, we had some really practical, practical steps. So if you missed it and you have never heard God's voice, I'd recommend going back, listening to that, because I believe God wants to speak to you. But at the end, we, we had some very practical steps and activities to work through to help people hear God's voice. And, and I know that through that time and through that time of prayer, that God spoke to people, some of you, for the first time in your life. But when God speaks to us, the reality is that very often the voice we hear when God speaks to us is the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of God. Let me prove it to you. John 16. John 16, Jesus is giving kind of his last will and testament 
to his disciples. He's like, here's everything you need to know because I'm about to go and die and you're never going to see me again. And he says this. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, for the disciples, this is very, very jarring. Because they've just spent three years with Jesus. He's awesome. And he's saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave. And guess what? It'll be better if I go. And they're like, Jesus, we don't want to hang out with anyone else. He's like, no, 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 no. If I go, I will send the advocate. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. And he goes on. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not a little bit, not partial truth, not fake news, all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said, I say he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We see Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he will take what Jesus has said and he will take what Jesus is saying and he will declare it to us. He will speak on behalf of God. And what we see in this passage, really, there's three things that we see in this passage Jesus say about the Holy Spirit. The first thing we see is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, this is important because, as most of you probably know, it's really difficult to form a relationship or have a conversation with something that is not a person. Like, I'm sure nobody in this room has ever gone out on a date with their Nintendo Switch and thought, wow, that was a really good date. And I know some people are really big fans of trees. I love trees, and some people will go and talk to trees, but as all of you know, it's a one-sided relationship. You can tell the tree everything going on in your life, and it's just like, oh, I'm a tree, whatever. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, but it's really hard to form a personal relationship with someone or something you don't regard as a person. And you see, this is, the reality is, in, in all, uh, we see this across the world, especially in war zones where one country will dehumanize the other country so their soldiers will go in and attack and kill and murder and rape and destroy, and they, the soldiers will be numb to it. Oh, well, they're, they're just Ukrainians. Who cares? They dehumanize them. We do this on our own as well. We drive downtown and we're like, oh, I'm driving in my nice car. I've got, I've got a nice house and a good nine to five job. And oh, look at that homeless person. We don't even feel compassion because we're dehumanizing them. Or as many guys and some girls in this room know um, who've, who've suffered with addiction to pornography, that's dehumanizing. It tricks your brain and convinces your brain that the images you're looking at aren't real and that, that women are just objects for pleasure and, and, and it convinces you a lie 
and completely disregards the fact that they're beloved children of God who have a purpose beyond what they can do for you in the bedroom. See, when we dehumanize someone or something, we can't have a relationship with it. So that's why it's important for us to know that the Holy Spirit is a person. Throughout the Bible, we see him act on his own. We see him speak on his own. We see he can be grieved. We can see he can be offended. We see all of these range of emotions, and we see his character. By every definition of the word, we see that the Holy Spirit is a person. And furthermore, we never see in the Bible anyone refer to the Holy Spirit as an it or a feeling. Let me show you. If we throw up uh, John 16 again. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong. I know, it's going to be annoying. Uh, about sin and righteousness and judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, join with me. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, if that annoyed you, I'm sorry. I have the microphone. You can get over it. But Jesus is very, very clear. He, He, Holy Spirit, is a person. And the second thing that we see in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. Now, the word that is used there in the Greek for advocate is a wonderfully complex word that really we, we can't translate properly into an English term. And, and we're going to dig into this more next week. Um, so if you're a nerd like me and you're like, ooh, what's the word? Well, come back next week. Um, but advocate, it, it, it's a word that it can't really be translated properly into English. And, and so different translations have different ways of saying it. We have translations that say advocate, some that say helper, some that say guide, some that say counselor, some that say comforter. All of them are right. Because essentially the word advocate would be translated as one who comes alongside. And so in, in the Greek world, when this word was used, it was often used in a legal context to talk about a defense attorney. It's like somebody sues you and you go and you hire a defense attorney. But in that context, it was more than just having somebody who gets paid boatloads of money to do nothing for you. Um, it's not true. Anyways, <laughs> lawyers are great. I'm not saying anything about that. But, but essentially, there was, there was a personal relationship. There was a deeper level of relationship. And so an advocate was someone who would fight on your behalf. You would call them in. You would work with them to have them fight on your behalf. They would advise you. They would give you wisdom and insight on what to do. And so when the Holy Spirit is described as our advocate, it means that he will be our advisor. He will fight on our behalf. He will help us. He will guide us. He will declare the truth of Jesus, and he will help us grow 
into the people that God created us to be. So the Holy Spirit is a person, and he is our advocate. But the third thing we need to grasp when we look at who the Holy Spirit is, is we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a person, he's not just our advocate, but most importantly, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, this goes into a branch of theology that is known as Trinity. And it's a fascinatingly complex subject um, that the Bible never uses the word Trinity in, so there's some people are like, oh, is it real? Yes, yes, it's real. Because the Bible is very clear that God is three in one. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. I had to come to peace with it a long time ago that I will never fully understand God. And I heard a pastor put it this way. Let's see if I can remember it. He said, uh, a God that can be fully understood by finite human beings is not a God that is glorious enough to be worshipped. Just to say that if we fully understood God, well, maybe he's not worthy of our praise. Because we don't even fully understand ourselves. We don't even fully understand how our microwaves work. We don't understand how the world works. We, have, we, we don't know. We try and we struggle and we have psychologists and scientists to try and figure these things out. But we don't understand how things work. And so God is so complex. That's okay. But the idea of Trinity is that God is one. Deuteronomy 4 tells us that the Lord your God, God is one. But that God is also made up of three persons. Let me show it to you. If we look at the idea of creation in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. It is the only son, himself God, who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. This passage shows us It's at the start of the Gospel of John, and it's talking about Jesus. And we see in this passage, God the Father, the Father of Jesus, God the Father is God, and we also see God the Son. We see that in creation, when God created the world, that the Son was intimately involved in the creative process, that nothing was created without the Son. And if we go to Genesis 1, it says, When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep. While, and the Hebrew word here is ruach. While a ruach, a wind from God, the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. So between these two verses, we see God the Father. We see God the Son. And we see God, the Holy Spirit, all present in creation. And then if we look at salvation, John 3.16, it says, For God, 
the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes him may not perish, but may have eternal life. So we see the Father sends his Son, Jesus, to come and die on the cross to save us from our sins. And then if we go to Titus 3, it says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We see God the Father sending his, sent his Son, and the Son appeared as our Savior. And when we believe in Jesus, we are saved from the consequences of our sin, and what happens at salvation is that the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us new life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now you may be sitting there and thinking, okay, that's great. I see Holy Spirit is in the Bible. That's great. But why why do we know he's God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, Acts 5. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but basically the story is there's these two people in the early church, and the early church was selling all of their possessions and giving to the poor, and these people are like, oh, we're going to sell our land too and give all of the money to the poor. And they tell the church this, and then they go, and they make a million bucks off the sale of their property, and they come with $10,000, and they're like, this is all it was. And the Holy Spirit makes it evident to Peter, and And so Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You did not lie to us, but to God. Holy Spirit is God. And we know that there's separation between the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as well. Because we see verses like Matthew 28. Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus wouldn't have to differentiate that unless it was important. We see in Matthew 3 when Jesus is baptized, it tells us that as he came out of the water, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and remained on him. And a voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We see the Father speaking over the Son with the Spirit present. And so we know that there is a trinity. We know God is one, but he's made up of three persons. If you still don't understand it, it's okay. But here's an here's a example, if you throw up the next slide. Here's an example, very flawed example, I'll warn you, but an example of a way to understand it. So if we look at this first picture, what do you see? Water, yes. Yeah, good job. This is, not a, pass, this is a pass-fail class. Just get the picture right and you're good. So water, we see water. H2O, two hydrogen atoms, one oxygen atom. That is water. Next picture, what do we see? Okay, what's ice made out of? Someone said ice is made out of ice. 
It came from the youth section, so I'm going to let high school deal with that. Ice is made out of water. That is right. H2O. But it is water in a different form. And if we look at the last picture, what do we see? A cloud. What is a cloud made out of? I've lost all faith in our school system. Spencer, you have your work cut out for you. Um, cloud is made of water vapor, evaporated water. We have three separate things, but they are all different expressions of the same thing. And in a similar way is how God works. God is one, but there are three, but three persons. And the danger of this example is something, a heresy called modalism, which is that God works in different modes at different times, which is not true according to what we see in the Bible. But this is a flawed example of, of how it works. So if we go to the next slide, this is um, in Bible college, first year Bible college, they showed us this kind of illustration to understand God. So we know that God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we know that the Son is not more powerful than the Spirit, and the Spirit is not more powerful than, God, than the Father, and the Father is not more powerful than the Son. And we know that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. And what we see in Scripture when it comes to God the Father is His name is God, his title is the Father, and his role is creator, planner, provider. That's a very Coles Notes version. If we were to examine the Father's full role, it would be a lot longer. So if you're in Bible college, don't crucify me over that. It's a very broad strokes picture of what the Father does. But we see that his location, according to Jesus in Matthew 6, when he was teaching us to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father in heaven. So the location of God the Father is heaven. Now if we look at the Son, God the Son, His name is God. His title is Jesus. His role, again, broad strokes, Savior. His location, according to Romans 8, 34, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Where's God? In heaven. So Jesus is located in heaven. And we see this in Acts 1 when Jesus, after he died and rose from the dead and did a bit of teaching with his disciples, he's like, peace. And he just ascends into heaven. He is in heaven. But the Spirit, his name is God. His title, Holy Spirit. His role is helper or advocate. And his location, according to John 14, where Jesus says he will remain with you and be in you, his location is with us. We have the Father, who's creator, planner, provider, he's in heaven. The Son, who's our Savior, he's in heaven. But the Holy Spirit, our helper, 
is here with us. And you see what's crazy about this is that the same Holy Spirit who is present in this healing moment and in worship this morning, that same Holy Spirit is present when you're crying on your bathroom floor. He's present when you're praying and seeking God's will for your life. He's present when you're out on the town looking for a hookup. He was present when I was knee-deep in pornography and looking at images I shouldn't look at. He was present. He, he is present at every moment when you're frustrated with your kids and just take it out on them. He's present, or he was present when you got hurt and abused and abandoned by people. Holy Spirit is God with us. And according to 1 Corinthians 6, when we believe in Christ, we, became, we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is with us. And he is our helper. So when you're wondering, what should I do with my life? You can ask the Holy Spirit. When you're wondering, should I marry that boy? You can ask the Holy Spirit. Like the, the Bible will give you wisdom on what kind of person you should marry, but it won't tell you marry John over Bob. When you're just stuck, struggling, uncertain what to do, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. And his job is to help you. You know, our word for this year is surrender. And I said this at the start, but the reality is that we cannot live lives that are fully surrendered to God without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. The Holy Spirit will work in our lives to make us more like Jesus. He will call us out when we do bad things. He will lead us in the right direction we need to go. Holy Spirit will speak to us on behalf of the Father. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is our advocate, and he is God. And so it is my prayer and my hope that through this series, we might start listening to the Spirit. As you know, for many of us, we've lived our lives, our Christian lives, recognizing God the Father and believing in God the Son. But we've had the Holy Spirit out back tied to the shed. And we just don't let him interact with us at all. So it's my prayer that through this series, you might start to receive the fullness of what God has for you through the Spirit. That we might be open to what the Spirit has for us. We might be open to receiving and accepting him and allowing him to work in us. In John 14... Jesus says this. He's warning his disciples, I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone. He says this. I, I will ask my, the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Just as we close, if I can get everyone to just stand right now. Just as we close, I want to get us to do a bit of an activity and don't feel obligated to do it if you're not in this place. But if you're here this morning and and you want to live a spirit-filled life, you want to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and work in your life, I want to encourage you just to put your hands out like this in posture of receiving. Again, no pressure. Don't feel obligated to do this. If you want to accept the Holy Spirit, You know, we believe that the Holy Spirit, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he he becomes, he comes like a seal. He marks us with a seal. He lives within us. So the reality is you're not inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. He's already there. You're just giving him room to speak. So if you want to allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. You want to live a spirit-filled life. I want to encourage you to say with me, Holy Spirit, I accept you. I release you. Do what only you can do in my life. Lead me. Change me transform me. I am yours. We're going to go into worship in a second here, and as we do, I just want to encourage you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What are you saying to me? Where are you leading me? You know, prayer doesn't have to be as simple as being like, God, I, I got nothing. What do you what do you have? I'm just listening. Father God, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are always there beside us helping us, strengthening us, giving us support and wisdom and advice and showing us what is true in God. I just pray that the Holy Spirit will become so evident in our lives. God, help us to be people who are spirit-filled. Help us to be people who are led by your spirit. That when your spirit says go, we will go. That when your spirit says stop, we will stop. And when your spirit says, hey, look at that person. They need help. They need prayer. That we will say, okay, and we'll go and pray. God, let us be receptive to your voice. Let us be receptive to your spirit. And this year, we will unleash you fully in our lives. To do what only you can do.
Just continue to sing.